Welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Well, hello, Long Hill Chapel Online. We're so glad that you're with us today. Uh, My name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here at Long Hill, and we are going to continue today in our series called Sinners and Saints. You know, I use a lot of different things in my life to kind of help keep my life together. And there's one product or one company uh, whose stuff I have been using for 20 years now. I remember when I got my first device in 2001, and that's Apple Computer. Now, some of you instinctively bristle when you hear me say that because, you know, you're PC users or use Android phones, and I'm glad that works for you, but this works for me. Literally what my entire life is built on is the idea of technology being a minimum of fuss. I just don't have to do a lot with it. I don't have to configure it. It usually works the way it's supposed to. It's not perfect, but it's been great. And so in the past 20 years, uh, we have grown from me having one computer to, I think, three computers, an iPhone, several tablets, and they're all Apple devices. And one of the things that Apple has done in recent years is now they push the latest software update to you. And so you wake up the next morning and your phone has been updated to whatever the newest thing is, whatever features they decided it really was that you needed in your life. And some of those are great and some of those just kind of make you scratch your head. And that's how I feel too. But one of the features that has come into my phone in in recent months is this predictive ability to guess who it is that's trying to contact you. And so what that means is if someone has texted me and they've put their name in that text, or if they've emailed, my computer can now figure out and my phone can figure out who they think it is who's texting or calling. And so when they call or when they text me now, I don't get just a random number that I have no idea who it is. I get this little thing underneath that says maybe and the colon and who they think it is, who that person's name is. And that's actually been kind of a useful thing, but it's also just a little bit creepy. Apple released this statement that says this. It says, iOS, that's the operating system for your phone, scans your email for contact info. If the phone number is not in your address book for matches, it looks to your email to see if anyone with this number sent you email, and it finds the phone number associated with a contact from your email, and it'll show you maybe with a guess of that person's name. Now, that's super creepy when you think about it. That just seems like all the things that everybody warned us about, but it's also awfully convenient. And I've gotten used to it now. But have you ever gotten a text message that was clearly not meant for you? Or maybe you've sent it to someone else and it was clearly not meant for them? There's some truly awkward versions of that story And this is so much better. And it's helpful because in my busy life, just like for many of us, I don't really have to do much thinking. It does a lot of that for me. I can know that generally speaking, that the messages that I receive, the phone calls that I get are actually meant for me. Now, wouldn't it be great if you and I could do that with God? I don't know if... You feel this way, but even as a pastor, I feel this way. How many times in your life have you felt something or someone has even said those words, God told me? 
or you've heard something, or you've wondered if it's God who's speaking to you in a moment. And we wonder if, you know, is this God? Is this not God? Should I listen? Should I keep going? Wouldn't it be great if there was a maybe God feature in our lives? It would be incredibly helpful. And here's the thing. Most of us, and we believe at different levels of this, if you're a Christian, if you follow God, you believe that God speaks. And yes, I think most all of us agree that God speaks through his scriptures. He speaks through the Bible. He speaks through his word. That's why we study this every single week when we gather. But some of us believe he speaks through others, through the power of his spirit. And whether or not we find ourselves in all of those categories or not, most of us believe that God speaks. But oftentimes, it's hard to know for sure. It's hard to know for sure outside of the words that are on the pages of Scripture. And even those have been interpreted in so many different ways, some of them good and some of them not, that it would be wonderful to have a maybe God feature in our lives so that we could know that it is God who is truly speaking and what he's saying. And so that's what we're going to explore today, how we can more clearly hear the voice of God and how we can know that it's him. Our text today is a story from the Old Testament, and it's from a book called 1 Samuel. And it's a story of the boy who would grow up, who after this book would be named, he would grow up to be a prophet among the Jewish people. And it's the early days of his life, but it's also the story of a man who is a priest named Eli. And so we pick up our story today in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and beginning at verse 1. And it reads like this. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. You know, sometimes what's so easy, and even in the series we've been in, it's, it's tempting sometimes to look at our lives as just uh, something that we can look for Bible verses that line up with it, and we can kind of just use the Bible as a prescription. We can say, you know, what's happening there is just like what's happening here. And so then I can take this at face value and I can apply this in my life. But here's what I believe is true about scripture. It's always designed to lead us to wisdom. It's not always designed to lead us to answers, but it's designed to lead us so that we know how to live, so that we know how to walk, so that we know how to think and perceive what God's will is and how to walk in it. Because the Bible was written for us. It wasn't written to us. It was written to its original audiences. But we have the benefit of receiving God's word through these ancient texts in a way that speaks to us and can teach us the nature of who God is, how we are as people, and how those things collide and how they intersect in our lives so often. In our passage, we discover that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. So the voice of God or the presence or the manifestation of God was not something that happened very often. And it's easy for us to look at the Bible and say, that was when God spoke constantly. Everybody knew that it was him. But we discover that that wasn't the case. So what was happening 
in this passage, in this time, in this story, that the word of the Lord was rare. So for the context of what's going on, Samuel, at this point, is a 12-year-old boy who's an apprentice in the tabernacle. Uh, He had been born to a woman named Hannah who had prayed that she could have a son after she had trouble conceiving. And the Lord heard her cry. And she, as a result of him answering her prayer and giving her a son, he dedicate, or she's dedicated Samuel to the Lord. And she dropped him off at the early age to work under Eli the priest and literally only saw him after that once a year. Can you imagine doing that with your own kids? But what we discover in this story is that Eli, this one who was supposed to represent God to the people, was not doing a great job because he was letting his sons kind of run wild and honor themselves. And so the Bible literally says that Eli's sons were scoundrels. And what happened is they stopped having reverence for God, and they started treating God as common and ordinary. And so in the midst of all of that, this passage tells us that the word, the voice, the presence, the manifestation, the revelation of God was rare. And I believe we can look at the surrounding circumstances and begin to see that the reason it was rare was because it was no longer valued. It was no longer treasured or reverenced. And you know what's true is that that can be the case for us as well. The word of the Lord, the voice of God, however it speaks to us, seems at times like it's rare. And it's because it has lost its value in the sea of voices that we each experience on a daily basis. You know, back to Apple Computer for a second. Someone shared the statistic that on our smartphones, on just your phone alone, there is more information on that device than the average person in the ancient world encountered in their entire lifetime. And I think we can all agree that at this point in our lives, between our devices, our computers, the internet, the screens that dominate so much of our lives, we have plenty of information. We have more information than we've ever had before, but so often we're lacking for truth. We're lacking for wisdom. Any opinion of any person can be elevated to the top level. And in a few ways that has been good, but in many ways it has not. And so in the sea of all of those voices, us drowning in all of that information, the word of the Lord seems like at times that it's increasingly rare. Now you look around You even look in our culture right now, in our world, in the dialogue that's going on, you don't know who to trust anymore because literally there are so many voices. And this isn't because we don't have access to the Bible. We have more access than we've ever had. I can pull out my smartphone and open up an app and a man will read me the entire Bible in a British accent. Praise God for technology. But it's sitting there in that sea of other information and other voices. And so it's not access to the word of God that's the problem. I think for many of us, it's our attitude towards the word of God. It's our attitude. We have more access than ever, but it will not have impact in our lives. The culture 
in Eli's time, in Samuel's time, in the time of the story, was a culture of neglect, a culture where the value of who God was and what he said was up for discussion. And therefore, we discovered that there was an absence of that special presence of God where people knew that it was God that was speaking. The word of the Lord was rare because the word of the Lord had become common. Now, why do we need to start like this? Why do we need to start in this place? When that's the culture around us, when that's the environment, how difficult do you think it would be to hear from God, to decipher what is from God and what's not? And so we continue with that backdrop in our story. Verse 4, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. And so Samuel went and he laid down. Let's consider this together. Maybe consider it for yourself. What does God sound like to you? What does God sound like to you? Does he have like a deep, booming, baritone voice? You, know, you and I have seen the movies where, you know, we've seen that, that movie with Moses where God speaks out of the cloud. We've seen some other ways. Is it Morgan Freeman's voice who's God or James Earl Jones? Or is it something else? You know, something that I've never really noticed as much before reading this, and I want us to understand, is that Samuel hears a voice and a response. And I don't know about you, and I don't know how many kids you've had. I have a couple of kids, and they wake up in the night with relative frequency. I never get used to that. I've become accustomed to it, but I'm not used to it. And so for all these years of my life, I've slept well. Now I have little kids in my house, and they wake up, and one of them comes into our bed. And, you know, we respond to all these reasons, and I react, and I know what to do, and I know how to become awake in the moment. But it's not because it's easy, and it's not because it's familiar, but I've just gotten used to it. Now, what we see here with Samuel is that he's used to being called, just like you know, if you're the parent of little kids or you remember those days, you remember what it was like to be called. You knew how to spring into action and shake the cobwebs out and go do that. And so Samuel is used to this, and he's used to who has typically called him, and it's Eli the priest. And so he's used to this, and he goes to Eli and says, here I am, didn't you call? Eli says, no, it wasn't me. And what's interesting here is that we discover that God calls Samuel in a way and in a place where he's already used to hearing information. He's already used to being called in the way, in the time, and in the manner that God calls him. This isn't like one of those special moments where it's like the craziest church service ever. This isn't like, you know, there's a burning bush or the sky splits and there's that big voice that we're so used to hearing in movies. We discover that God calls Samuel in a familiar way and in a familiar context. And this is one of the things I want us to understand about how God speaks to us, is God very often speaks to us in familiar ways. 
You know, so often we're looking for a sign. We're looking for some big manifestation and demonstration from God. And instead what God does is he speaks to us through the voice of someone who's familiar. Have you ever noticed that sometimes God's voice in your life sounds like your wife or your kids or your friends? Sometimes the voice of God comes to us in our thoughts. It comes to us through people and circumstances and places and mechanisms that are close to us. So if you're taking notes on how to discern whether God is speaking, the first thing to understand is that God's voice is familiar. Maybe it's God because it's something that's familiar. God's voice will be familiar. You'll find it in the mundane, the everyday, and the unexpected. And that doesn't mean that it's always an audible thing, but it might be. But it's something familiar. And if we're always looking for something that's strange, something that's foreign, something that's demonstrative and magical and otherworldly, we'll miss God in the familiar. Now, why does God use that voice? You know, if I was sleeping and I heard my son call to me, I would wake up. I'd say, what do you need? I'd be in that moment instantly. But if some other voice, some big booming voice called me, it would be very different. It would be startling and it would be confusing. It would actually be terrifying. You know, if James Earl Jones's voice called me, I'd wake up wondering if I was having a bad dream. I'd watch too much Star Wars and Darth Vader was in the house because it wasn't familiar. And so this has been true in my life. God speaks in the familiar and the mundane places. And the question is whether we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Let me tell you a little bit of a story. You know, when we came back to Long Hill Chapel a few years ago, you know, I'm always like, God, what do you have for us? What do you want to do next? I'm always looking out to the horizon. That's just my personality. But that's not my wife Grace's personality at all. She loves God with her whole heart. She prays and she listens for God's voice, but she's an incredibly pragmatic person. I'm anything that seems like it might remotely be God. I'm like, off I go, and I'm going in that direction, and I'm like ready to follow Jesus and do whatever it is. But my wife is much more balanced. And that's, I believe, in one way why God has us together. Because if grace feels something strongly, if she feels like she's hearing God speak strongly, I have high confidence that it's God who's actually speaking to us. And when we came back to Long Hill Chapel, the reason that we put down roots here with our family and attended, and then I came on staff, and then I ended up as the pastor here, wasn't because of a fantastic vision that I had. It was because grace said, you know, I really believe God is speaking to us, and this is something that we ought to do. And because it was this familiar voice, that I'm used to, that I'm under no illusions about, but neither is she. I trust it, and I believe that God spoke. And you know, it's not that God can't speak in those other ways, but very often, I would say more often, it's the small ways. And if we're looking out to the horizon, very often we'll miss God in the familiar and the mundane. And so Samuel, at first... He hears this familiar voice, 
but he misunderstands who it is that's speaking. And so he runs to Eli. And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. But here's the thing I love about this, is that Samuel was ready. He didn't get it right, but he was ready. You know, I think so often when we look at Scripture, and we've talked a little bit about this in this series, we look at these examples and think, you know, the first time they heard it, the first time they saw it, the first time they followed, they got it right. And we discover so often that that is the farthest thing from the case. But I think a common thread for anybody that God speaks to, and especially anybody that God uses, is that we always find a willingness to respond, a, re a readiness to chase after God, even if it means we get it a little bit wrong the first time. And one of the things that happens for us is that I think we paint God as this like one time only limited edition God where he'll speak once and if we miss it or if we don't get it wrong, that's it and we've missed out. And I'm here to tell you today, folks, that I do not believe that that is how God operates. That certainly is not how God has operated with me. Yes, sometimes when God has spoken or called and I haven't responded or I've missed out, I miss the blessing that comes with that moment, but it doesn't mean that I miss God because God is faithful. I would even say at times that God is relentless and he always speaks and speaks again and so God will continue to speak to you but you have to cultivate a spirit of readiness not one of perfection not one of getting it right but one of trying to respond and trying to do something when the voice of God speaks and if we don't respond what we start to do is dull ourselves to the voice of God in our lives. And so we can take the pressure of perfection off of ourselves, but in its place cultivate a spirit of readiness, a willingness to try to follow after God, even sometimes when we misunderstand, when we misinterpret, when we get it wrong, knowing that God is the one who will continue to speak, he'll continue to lead, and he'll continue to guide if we will continue to attempt to follow. And again, it's easy for us sometimes to condemn ourselves and say, you know, we missed it. We missed that time back there when God spoke. You know, we, we realize it now. We didn't realize it then. And so it's all over, folks. That is not how God works. He is faithful even when we're not. He speaks again even when we miss it. And he's looking for people who are willing to get up and go again. And as we keep reading, we see that God calls back. It's not that one phone call that only came once and you missed it. He always calls back. Verse six. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Good news, folks. He missed it the first time, but here it is. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Again, the Lord called you. Again, the Lord called me. Again, the Lord called us. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli again and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. What this means, he did not recognize his voice. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. 
Now, here's a confession about me, and I've confessed this to some of you before, and if you've ever ridden with me in the car, you know it's true. I am incredibly directionally challenged. It is so easy for me to get lost very, very quickly. And so I have come to depend on the voice of someone else in my life, and that's my GPS, my maps application. You know, I don't know where to go, but I know where to go to find out how to get there. I go to the GPS lady, and some of you do that too. This drives my wife crazy at times because she's like, Michael, there's an easier way to get where you're going. I'm like, no, I know this voice will get me there. I trust it. And so whatever she says, that voice, I will do. Now, here's what's going on with Samuel is he's confused because he heard something and he doesn't know how to navigate yet. He doesn't know the voice of God yet, but he knows someone he can go to. And so he goes to Eli. And so he runs to Eli because he has the right passion, but he runs to the wrong person. And it's so important that we understand what's going on in verse 7. We're putting this all together because it says that the word of the Lord... The voice of God, the presence of God had not been revealed to him yet. He did not know how to hear correctly. And so Samuel has been used to doing all sorts of religious things. Remember, he's been apprenticing in the temple under Eli for years. He knew the rituals. He knew the practices. He knew the holy days. He knew the ceremonies, but he didn't know God. He knew all the how but he didn't know the who. And church, some of us, we can know all the rules and the regulations, all the religion, and still not know the voice of God in our lives. You can come to all the meetings, you can go to all the services, you can check off the boxes and go to devotions and Bible studies, and you can learn a lot about how to do Christianity, and you can still not know the voice of God. Of God. Knowing about God is different than knowing God's voice. And so this begs a question for us because it was the Lord who called Samuel, but Samuel now twice runs to Eli. Who is it that you run to? Who is it that you run to when you don't know what to do or where to go? Do you run to religion? Do you run to rules? Do you run to rituals? Or do you run to God? Do you seek out trying to do a little bit more and try a little bit harder? Or is it God that you run to? Samuel runs to Eli. But Eli tells him, it's God. Because only Eli can point us Religion, ritual, even people like myself, the only thing we can do is point you to God. I recognize humbly and soberly the responsibility that I have. If I point anybody at Long Hill Chapel to Michael Hadi, or if we point you to us or to whatever we think is so important about our organization, we have failed in our duty as leaders because all we can do that matters is point you to the one who is calling you, and that is God himself. And there's nothing else that substitutes for that. 
All of those other things, they're good, they're important, but they do not substitute for the voice of God and the call of God. And at some point, every single one of those religious things and those religious efforts will ultimately communicate, I didn't call you. And so the story goes on. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. And so Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. I don't know if you've ever noticed, like, when you're, like, thinking about buying a new car or buying a new thing, suddenly you see that car everywhere. Suddenly you see that thing everywhere. You see every ad. Your, your conscience, your attention is drawn and it's pricked and you're aware and you're sensitive to it. I believe that this is true for us with God as well. When God wants to get something across to you and when he finally pricks your conscience and he gets your attention, suddenly you start seeing it everywhere. You start seeing that he has been speaking all along. He'll speak over here and you'll notice it. You'll be having a conversation. You'll hear it again. This has literally happened to me this week more times than I can count. And so what we discover about how God speaks in this moment is once we become aware, God speaks very often in the familiar places, but God speaks frequently when we're paying attention, when we're looking for him. You know, and so what happens is we see a little bit of the piece of the puzzle here and we see another piece over here and we start to see these confirmations and these repetitions and these affirmations of what it is that God is speaking. And so God speaks to us frequently and very often it's the same conversation just in different places and in different ways. And you know, it's easy for us to say, well, that's just happenstance. You know, that's just what I'm looking for. I want it to be that way. I believe that God cares too much about you and too much about me to leave those kind of things to chance. And so he's orchestrating these things so that we would know that it's him. And we need to do in those moments what Eli figures out when he discerned that it was God who was actually calling Samuel. He says, you know what? You need to know that this isn't just happenstance. You're not just hearing a random voice. It's actually God who's doing the calling. And so now you need to position yourself in a place where you can hear what God is saying. And so Eli gives this instruction that goes like this. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then Samuel went and he laid down and he waited. And so God, when he speaks and when we become aware, he begins to speak in pieces and in fragments frequently in a way that we begin to understand that it's him. And so the story goes on in verse 10. Then the Lord call, came and stood there calling as at the other times. So it's frequent, it's ongoing, and now it's familiar. And he said, Samuel... Samuel, then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. I love how the scripture here, it goes on. It says that the call wasn't different. It was the same as other times. But we discover that something now is very different because the call is the same. But the response 
is very different. And so the third way that we can know that it's God, remember, he speaks in the familiar very often. He speaks frequently, but there's always follow-up. And Samuel responded to God. And we don't see it here in the passage, but this is the beginning of the relationship. Now, Samuel becomes aware of what God's voice sounds like. And I believe that conversation, God showed him some of the path that he had for Samuel. And as we continue to read through the account and the rest of the book that bears his name, we discover that God or that Samuel grew up to be a prophet. He grew up to be one who listened for the voice of God and then communicated that to other people. But in order for him to do that, he had to respond. He had to respond to that first conversation. How many of you, you have friends, you call them, you text them, and they just never respond to you? Our worship leader, Joey Monteleone, he loves to call those people gray friends. And I love that because what he means by that is not great Not the color gray, but like if you respond on your Apple device to a text, it's in blue or it's in green. And if someone writes to you, it's in gray. But gray friends are those ones where you always write to them and they never, ever respond. You know, so many of us, we're having this one-way conversation with God, just like that, where we're talking a lot, but we're not listening where he's trying to speak to us, but we either have not been paying attention or we've tuned him out or we're looking somewhere else. If we want to know what God is saying, we need to follow up and we need to engage. When you feel like God is speaking to you, remember, it's not about getting it right. It's about being ready to respond. We need to follow that up. And out of that is where a relationship begins to build. Any relationship you have in your life, it worked this way. There was an initial conversation at some point that you responded to, that the other person responded to, that you responded to back. Every single great relationship in your life went in that way. And the same is true with God. And so when we're discerning the voice of God in our lives, It means that we have to follow up. When God speaks, we respond. And then we discover that we know his voice better and that he speaks again and that he speaks more often. And so it goes. And so as we're discerning the voice of God in our lives, what we discover today is that God's voice is frequent, it's familiar, and there's always follow-up involved. It's familiar. It happens very often in places and in ways that we're used to hearing information. It's frequent. We're hearing the message constantly in different places and through different voices, but it's the same message. And there's follow-up. It always requires us to act, to move from information to application. And I hope as you've heard these three things, you've written them down, you've taken note of them, and you're ready to do them. But you need a first step. And here it is. How do I begin applying familiar, frequent, and follow-up? 
And that step is the second half of verse 9. It's the beginning of this journey of Samuel's life that will take him to incredible places where God will speak to him and through him in incredible ways. But every one of those journeys requires a first step. And here it is, and we see it in the beginning of verse 9. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. This matters. Samuel was in a position of rest. He wasn't multitasking. He wasn't doing something else. He was ready to receive whatever God had to say to him. And you and I, and we know this, we very often lead lives that are anything but restful. I really believe this shows us, this passage and this application shows us about how God speaks. God doesn't just pile his voice into the chaos of our already maxed out lives. He speaks into times and places of rest. You know, this week, it's been a busy week here in the ministry life of Long Hill Chapel, but uh, our ministry staff began this week uh, at our district conference, which happens once a year. And one of the things I love about how that conference has evolved over the years is it's turned from being really a big business meeting into a time of waiting, of gathering, and of hearing from God. And you know what? I never sit in a seat at conferences I never do it. I'm usually always presenting. I'm playing music. I'm doing something. This was one of the first times in years that I have sat in a chair and just received. And what I discovered in that moment is that God spoke. He spoke to me. He spoke into my life and into my heart. But it was because I stopped doing, and I started waiting. I was in a position of rest, in a position where I could receive, and God spoke. And a really big part, I believe, of hearing God's voice is simply this. It's creating margin in your life so that God can disrupt your life. Now, sometimes God will bring us to a screeching halt. He'll disrupt what we're doing because it's the only way we'll ever listen. But what if you and I were proactive with that? What if you and I put ourselves in a position where if God called us into action in a different direction, if he spoke to us in a way that we responded that changed something, we would have the margin to do that. And the thing that I see as I read scripture and even this story about disruption is that every person God has ever used in powerful ways has had their lives disrupted. Before God uses anybody, it is cause of a disruption that he causes in their life. We see it in the lives of people in the Bible, Joseph, Moses, Samuel, David, Gideon, Jacob, Mary, Paul, and the list goes on and on. Someone is going about their lives and God disrupts what they're doing. What if the disruption in your life isn't a mistake, but it's the moment that God wants to speak to you. You know, and I think one of the key practices as we close today is that it's hard for us to have margin for this. We live in a busy place, and many of us live in very busy times and circumstances of our lives. And if God wanted to get our attention, you know, he'd have to get on our calendar weeks in advance to do it. But I think one of the keys 
that we discover is if we don't create space where we're at rest, where God can truly speak, very often we'll never hear him do it. If we're so busy that we can't receive, we'll never be able to recognize the familiar, we'll never see the frequency, and we won't follow up. And so intentional, thoughtful periods of rest and waiting on God to speak to us is one of the key things that's required if we want to hear his voice. Knowing that hearing his voice and responding is the beginning step on any journey of significance that God uses in our lives. To lead us to a place where we are willing to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. As we close today, I just want us as the church here gathered in this virtual space to have that moment of rest. To take just a little bit of silence, and I'd encourage you as you're watching and listening, this is don't get distracted, don't tune away, don't go multitask in another window. Just take a moment, close your eyes, and receive in silence what it is that God might be saying to you. And so we're going to pray, but we're going to open that with just a period of silence, and then we'll close together. So God, we come to you, gathered wherever we are, we ask that you would speak, Lord, for your servants. God, you are speaking. You've never stopped. You have a great work for each and every person here. We confess that we've often allowed our busyness and the pace of our lives to cancel out what we would otherwise discern from you. Help us to pause and rest in you. Help us to see you in the familiar, the frequent, and enable us to follow up as you have great things in store for each one of us and for us together. We thank you for this time, for this moment, to hear your voice. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for being with us today. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you soon.